Oh, it is so good to hear that instrumental again. And with that, we all know what it means. Welcome to Carson's Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. I know you haven't heard from me in a while, and that is probably a little concerning to some of you. First off, I want to say I've been very busy. It's not because of laziness that episodes of the sack haven't been coming out. It's just because of lack of time. I've disappointed myself with the lack of episodes that have come out recently. And more importantly, I know I've disappointed you, the fans, with the amount of episodes that have come out here recently. While I will be busy in the near future... This episode is kind of a, hey, I have some free time. I'm on spring break right now. This is the bracket episode of the SAC podcast, the NCAA tournament bracket, where I'm going to break down every game, give you my picks all the way up to the championship game and tell you who's going to end up winning it all this year. So without further ado, just sit back, relax, and enjoy the picks. All right. First game up, the overall number one seed, Villanova, sitting at 31-3 and on the year. is going to go up against the winner of Mount St. Mary's and New Orleans. No disrespect to either team of Mount St. Mary's or New Orleans. Villanova is going to win this one probably pretty handedly, show some dominance and show why they were the number one overall seed in this whole tournament. Moving on, the next game, you got the eighth seed Wisconsin Badgers coming off a tough loss in the Big Ten Championship game against Buzz Williams and the Virginia Tech Hokies, 22-10 on the year at the ACC and the ninth seed in this region. I like Wisconsin mainly because of Nigel Hayes. I really like him as a player. I think his transition and his growth The whole four years he's been at Wisconsin from freshman to senior is something to be applauded, and he doesn't get enough attention nationally as such a good player that he is. I think his game going to need some work to transition to the next level, but he can do it just looking at how he's progressed through college. I'll take Wisconsin in this one over Virginia Tech. The next game on the slate, you got the 5th-ranked Virginia Cavaliers at 22-10. Going up against the 12th-ranked UNC Wilmington Don't Knows. They're 29-5 on the year. Pretty good record. I'm going to take Virginia, though. Um, I just like the style of pace they play under Tony Bennett. Uh, it, they dictate what opponents how they're going to play so well, and I don't think UNC Wilmington is going to have enough, not going to be able to score enough points, honestly, because of Virginia's defense playing so well. So I'll take the Cavaliers in this one. Next on the schedule, you got the fourth-ranked Florida Gators and then the East Tennessee States, whatever they are. I'm going to take Florida in this one. Granted, they are coming off a bit of a surprising defeat to Vanderbilt in the SEC tournament. Vanderbilt swept the Gators this year, but I think Florida comes out ready to play and picks up the victory in this one. Now this next game is the first game I struggled with picking between the play-ins and the original people. This game pits the 6th ranked SMU Mustangs 30-4 and on the year, won the AAC so not a bad team beat Cincinnati in that uh, tournament championship game. SMU is going to end up playing the winner of the Providence-USC play-in game. I don't know a lot about Providence, I'll be honest, but USC has really had a bounce-back year this year, so out of that, I'm going to take USC. So SMU versus USC. 
I went with SMU just because they look so impressive against Cincinnati, who I think is a pretty good team in their championship in their conference championship game. So I'm rolling with the Mustangs here in this one. The next game up is between the third-ranked Baylor Bears, sitting at 25 and 7 on the year, going up against the 14th-seeded New Mexico State Lobos. I believe they're at 28 and 5 on the year. I didn't have the guts, the balls to do it. But I really like New Mexico State in this game. I don't like how Baylor plays. I understand their big men are fairly good. They play with a lot of speed on the perimeter as well. But I, like I said, I don't like Baylor in this game. But I didn't have enough balls to put New Mexico State through. So I put Baylor through. But if you're looking for a long shot just as a, something to put down as an upset, please put down New Mexico State Lobos for me. But... Me, on my official bracket, I put down Baylor moving on. Moving on, we have the 7th-ranked South Carolina Gamecocks. They're sitting at 22-10 and 10 on the year, facing the 10th-seeded Marquette at 19-12. and 12. I put Marquette through. Don't know why. Feel more familiar with South Carolina as a team. They're pretty good. Frank Martin has them being consistently good the past two years since he's been there. But I'm just going to take Marquette in this one just because I like Marquette a little bit better than South Carolina. And then the last game of this region, you got the second-seeded Duke Blue Devils, 27-8 on the year, facing 15th-ranked Troy. They're at 22-14 and on the year. I think that's all you really need to know. Two against the 15, 27-8 versus 22-14. I'm going to take the Blue Devils in this one. So that wraps up the East bracket for the opening round. So to recap, in the second round, we got Nova versus Wisconsin, Virginia versus Florida, SMU versus Baylor, and then Marquette versus Duke. Some very interesting matchups, if I do say so myself. Moving on, though, we are going to stay on the left side of the bracket, and we're going to head out west, a little California dreaming. We're going to start that off with Gonzaga versus South Dakota, the number one ranked team in the region. Gonzaga, 32-1 on the year. South Dakota State, 18-16. I'm not a big fan of Gonzaga mostly, but in this game, talent's going to win out and Gonzaga's going to handle South Dakota State pretty handedly. Zags are moving on to the second round. Now the next game is the 8 versus the 9 matchup. Northwestern, the 8 seed, and Vanderbilt, the 9 this is Northwestern's first year in the tournament, so why would you have them start out with a loss? I'm going to send Northwestern, 23-11, and 11, going to pick up their 24th win of the year at Vanderbilt's expense, moving on to face the Zags in the second round. Moving on, looking at this next game, we come across one of my <laughs> sleeper picks of the entire tournament. It's going to be the fifth-ranked Notre Dame Irish sitting at 25-9 and nine coming out of the ACC. They're going up against 12-seeded the Princeton Tigers sitting at 23-6 and six out of the Ivy League. Pretty impressive for a bunch of nerds from Princeton, if you ask me. So, with that being said, if they're one of my sleepers, obviously, I'm going to have Notre Dame going on through the second round. But just a little breakdown for why I'm so high on the Irish this year. i got to start with the forward, Boonsie. Colson. He's leading the ACC in double-doubles all year. He's a matchup problem. He's only 6'5", but he plays like he's 7'0". 
225 pounds as well, so he's got a little bit of a body. Knows how to, he's just unlimited effort. Knows how to use his size to advantage with what he has. Love the way the kid plays. Another big reason I'm high on the Irish is their play at point guard. You got Matt Farrell, the junior, who is just, he weaves through defenses like he's driving a car on a little Sunday drive. He just goes wherever he wants, does whatever he wants, in and out of zones, in and out of one-on-one, man-to-man defenses, like it's nothing. And it's just so nice to see the point guarded. He looks to pass and get others involved before him, and you don't see that a lot out of point guards in college these days, and it's just something nice to see. So those two right there. Also, I got to look at VJ Beecham, the forward. He does a nice job of spreading the floor a little bit, but brings the needed size as well down low. Just a couple reasons. I'm really high on the Irish this year. It's one of my... It's a sleeper team. Moving on, though, we go to West Virginia, the fourth-seeded team in this region, going up against Bucknell. I'm going to take West Virginia just because of Huggy Bear and their press defense. They were a little bit embarrassed in the Big 12 title game, and uh, Bob Huggins doesn't take well to being embarrassed, so I imagine they're going to come out, play pretty hard, play pretty gritty, and get the win against Bucknell. Next game, pretty intriguing matchup, honestly, in my opinion. You got the six-seeded Maryland Turpins. They're 24-8 out of the Big Ten. Going up against the 11-seeded Xavier Musketeers. 21-13 on the year. Mellow Tremble still on Maryland. He is. So I'm going to send the Terrapins of Maryland through to the second round. But this is going to be a good game. Maybe one of the best of the opening weekend. Maybe a, a, a buzzer beater or two. Maybe some OT. I don't know. I just feel like this game is going to be what March is all about. So you might as well tune in, but just know, Maryland, Mellow Tremble, they're on to the second round. Moving on to the next game in the West region, you got the third-seeded Florida State Seminoles, 25-8, against Florida Gulf Coast, a.k.a. Dunk University from a couple years ago when they upset the second-ranked Georgetown team as a 15-seed. And I think Florida Gulf Coast is at it again this year, folks. I don't like the way Florida State plays. They're not good away from home. And out west in San Jose, you couldn't get further away from Florida. And that's pretty far. Granted, I understand Florida Gulf Coast is also from Florida. So it's not a home game for either team. But I just like Florida Gulf Coast in this one. Mainly, I dislike Florida State more than I could convince myself that they would win. Every time I've watched them, they've just been disappointing. They don't play with a lot of effort, a lot of hustle. Their teamwork lacks sometimes. And Florida Gulf Coast, they've done it before. They know how to win upset games like this. So why not? I'm going to send Florida Gulf Coast on through the second round to see Maryland. This next game, this matchup, it really breaks my heart. It really does. you got the seventh-seeded St. Mary's Gales, 28-4 on the year. Pretty good record. Going up against the 10th-ranked VCU Rams, 26-8. and eight. I, I love both these teams. SM, SMC, St. Mary's Gales, you, they're so good year in and year out. They just have such a hard time overcoming the Goliath in their conference. That is Gonzaga. And then VCU, ever since Shaka Smart left, even with Shaka Smart, captured America's hearts that one year in the tournament, making it all the way to the Final Four as the play-in game. 
they've just continued to build and build and build on that resume. In this game, though, I'm going to take the Gales moving on to the second round. But this is going to be another, just like the um, Xavier Maryland game, I feel like the St. Mary's of ECU game is going to be what March is all about. So make sure you're in front of a TV watching this one. And then the last game of the West region, you have the second-ranked Pac-12 champions, Arizona, 30-4 and on the year, going against a North Dakota, the 15th-seeded team in the West bracket. 22-9, and very respectable record, but Arizona, it's you're going through. You're in the second round. So in recap of the West bracket so far, Looking up some second-round matchups, you got Gonzaga against Northwestern, Notre Dame against West Virginia, Maryland against Florida Gulf Coast, and then St. Mary's against Arizona. Moving on to a completely different region now, we're going to the Midwest, and we're going to what some people call the city is the backbone of the United States. We're going to Kansas City, Missouri, folks. First game of the Midwest region we're going to look at. You got the number one seeded Kansas Jayhawks, 28-4, going up against the playing game winner of North Carolina Central and UC Davis. Once again, no offense to either team, but Kansas is too good of a team to have a slip up and be the first number one seed to lose to a 16 seed. I'm going to send Kansas through here to the second round. Up next, you got the 8 versus 9 matchup. You got the Miami Hurricanes at 21 and 11 going up against the ninth seeded Michigan State Spartans at 19 and 14. Miles Bridges, Tom Izzo, I'm going to send you through. Don't disappoint me here. Every year, the experience of Tom Izzo and his coaching is brought up, and I'm drinking the Kool Aid this year. Miles Bridges is a hell of a freshman. Definitely a one and done, in my opinion. I think they ride Miles Bridges. He carries them to a first-round win against the Hurricanes. They'll be seeing Kansas in the second round. The next game was another game that I struggled with a little bit. Once I looked at it a little bit, you got the Iowa State Cyclones, Big 12 Conference Champions. Very impressive what they did there. Then they're going up against the 12-seeded Nevada Wolfpack, 28-6. and Again, I just didn't have the balls to do it. I wish I did, though. I like Nevada a lot. I like the style of play that they do. Very up pace. They make people uncomfortable with how they play. Gets them out of their rhythm. But Iowa State, I think they're just going to be good enough to pull past the Wolfpack of Nevada and advance to the second round. Moving on. The next game we're going to look at is the four-seeded Purdue Boilermakers at 25-7 after they got upset in the Big Ten tournament by Michigan. They're going up against the 13-seeded Vermont's I Don't Knows. They're at 29-5. I like the Boilermakers in this one. Swanigan down low for the Boilermakers is going to be a huge difference maker this entire tournament, I feel like. And if he can play well and then get some outside shooting from their guards, Purdue is a very dangerous team. So for that reason, I'm going to put Purdue into the second round. Next game we get to look at and talk about, you got the Crittenton Bluebirds, Blue Jays maybe, 25-8 and eight going up against Rhode Island, the 11th seeded team in the in the uh, region. They're at 24-9. I like Rhode Island's uniforms. I don't like the way Creighton plays. I'm putting Rhode Island through to the second round. Simple as that. 
Next game on the schedule, you got the third-ranked Oregon Ducks, 29-5 out of the Pac-12, going up against the Iona, I don't knows, once again. Sitting at 22-12 and 12 on the year. They're the 14th seed. Three is greater than four in this game. Not in math and other denominational methods, though. So I'm going to take Oregon in this game to move on to the second round to play Rhode Island. Next game we get to talk about, we got the 7 versus 10 matchup. The 7 seed being the Michigan Wolverines, the Big Ten Conference Tournament champions, sitting at 24 and 11, up against the 10th seed at Oklahoma State Cowboys at 20 and 12. Michigan, I feel like, is just going to keep rolling that momentum that they've got from the Big Ten Conference Championship Tournament and everything like that. How they overcame such adversity with the plane crash and whatnot. Could this be a team of destiny? Oh, I don't I don't know. But I definitely think they're good enough to beat Oklahoma State. That puts them in the second round. And then the last game of the Midwestern region for the first round. You got the UofL Cardinals out of the ACC. 24-8 on the year. Going up against Jacksonville State, the 15th seed. They're 20-14. UofL is such a good team. I don't think nationally they were given enough credit all year. They're just too they're too deep at every position, meaning like they're they have two in some cases three players at each position that are good enough to come in and give you solid minutes and solid contributions and that's going to make them just dangerous because over the course People are going to get tired. People are going to get hot and cold at different times. Foul trouble can come in and play certain um, certain things in games. I just like how many options at different positions Juvel has. So for that reason, not only in this game but in the tournament, I see Louisville going fairly far. But first they got to get past Jacksonville State, and I think they do that. So just as a recap for that Midwest bracket, the second round matchups, we got Kansas versus Michigan State, Iowa State against Purdue, Rhode Island against Oregon, and then the team of destiny, quite possibly, Michigan against UofL, Louisville. Now we move on to our fourth and final region, the South region, and this is held in Nashville's kind of forgotten cousin city, and I'm told the barbecue there isn't as good as everybody makes it out to be. Ladies and gentlemen, let's head on down to the South region. These games are going to be held in Memphis, Tennessee, y'all. First game we get to look at is the 1-16 matchup. You got the North Carolina Tar Heels going up against Texas Southern. One is better than 16 in most cases. This is this game's going to follow the trend. I'm going to take North Carolina in this one. Pretty easy pick there, folks. Next, you got the 8 versus 9 matchup. You got Arkansas, the 8 seed against Seton Hall, the 9 seed. I really like how Arkansas plays. I'm going to send them through the second to the second round. I don't know enough about Seton Hall. I do know they were supposed to beat Villanova at one point this year. Did that happen? No, it did not. But I do like Arkansas in this one. They play with a lot of purpose, which I mean, there's not a lot of wasted possessions by them, and that's pretty big in the NCAA tournament because you don't know how many possessions you're going to get, and you got to make them all count. Arkansas does a real good job of that. UNC Arkansas in the second round. Next game we're going to look at out of the South region, you got the fifth ranked Minnesota Gophers going up against the middle Tennessee. I don't know, as I apologize. 
Once again, they're sitting at 30 and 4 on the year. They're a 12 seed. They're pretty dangerous. Last year they were the team, the 15 seed that upset number two ranked Michigan State. I think the slipper still fits. I'm gonna take Middle Tennessee in this one. Minnesota at the start of the year was not. They didn't look like they were going to be as good as everybody thought they were. But then, near the end of this season, right before uh, the Big Ten tournament, they won, I think, their last, like, eight of their last nine games or nine of their last ten games and really got hot but ran into that buzzsaw Michigan in the the Big Ten tournament. I don't think they're going to be able to just rebound and play as well as everybody thinks they're capable of playing. Richard Pitino... You got to question him as a coach a little bit. Um, hasn't been as successful as his father. That can easily change over time. But right now, he just isn't living up to the name. Like I said, the slippers still very well could fit. I'm going to put Middle Tennessee into the second round. Next game we get to look at, we got the four seed Butler Bulldogs, 23-8, and eight, going up against the Winthrop Eagles. They're at 26-6. and six. I like Butler in this one, and I like them for one reason. Keelan Martin from Ballard High School right here in Louisville. One of the best players that nobody's heard about in college basketball. He's a focal point for the Butler Bulldogs, and he's going to lead them past Winthrop in the first round. Butler through the second round. The next game we look at, we got the six-ranked Cincinnati Bearcats, 29-4 and four on the year. The AAC Conference Tournament runner-ups, they're going up against the play-in game winner between Kansas State and Wake Forest, being an 11 seed. Ever since the play-in game has been instituted, a little fun fact for you, at least one of the play-in game participant winners has gone on to the Sweet 16. Do I think that trend continues this year? No, I do not. I'm going to take Cincinnati over Wake Forest in this game. Bearcats, they're really long and athletic at every position, and I really like that in a team. So I'm going to send the Bearcats of Cincinnati on to the second round. Next game, you got the third-ranked UCLA Bruins out of the Pac-12, 29-4 in the year against the Kent State. I Shurs. Um they're 22-13 and 13 on the year. They're the 14th seed. UCLA, I personally think, should have been a two seed, in my opinion. I, they were consistently good all year, and I think they kind of just got flushed out of that two seed line because of what happened in the Pac-12 championship tournament. So, it it's over with now, but I really think UCLA should have been a two seed. So, with that being said, I'm going to put UCLA into the second round. The next game is another game that I think you're going to want to be in front of a screen for. Could be what March is all about. Seventh-seeded Dayton Flyers going up against the 10th-seeded Wichita State Shockers. I like Wichita State a lot. I'm going to put them through the second round, but like I said, I really feel like this game is going to be one you don't want to miss. So make sure you're watching it somehow, some way. But in the end, Wichita State is going to be moving on to the second round. And just like it always is, they save the best for last. The second-seeded Kentucky Wildcats, 29-5, and your SEC tournament champions, regular season and tournament champions, are going up against Northern Kentucky. It's the battle for Kentucky, folks. Whatever team loses, they leave the state. The whole, the whole college does. So there's a little bit riding on this game. 
Obviously, though, I'm going to take the Wildcats. Just a dominant performance is what I'm looking for. Big thing, though, that I want to talk about with the Cats, Malik Monk. If he can play well all six games, if they are lucky enough to make it that far, look out. These Wildcats are dangerous. They got legs that almost no one, the only team I think that really can run with them, kind of sucks. They're in our bracket. That's North Carolina. But besides that, if Malik Monk's playing well, if Derek Willis is playing okay, I don't need him to be out of this world. I need maybe 10 points from him and a lot of hustle stats. And then if Dominique Hawkins can score Six to eight points and give me a lot of hustle stats. Darren Fox is good for good games. Bam out of bio, he's good for big games. Isaiah Briscoe has evolved into one of just my favorite players, to be honest. The grittiness and his ability to drive and get to the basket, draw fouls, I like that a lot. If Malik Monk can be hot, I don't need him to be scorching. He might just need to be a little bit more than room temperature at times, maybe these first two games. But if he can get hot starting at the Sweet 16, look out for these Wildcats. So as a recap for the South region, you got UNC Arkansas in the second round, Middle Tennessee against Butler, Cincinnati against UCLA, and then Wichita State against Kentucky. Shifting our focus now to the second round, we head back to the East region, and we look at those big matchups, the first one being Villanova against Wisconsin. Like I said previously, I love the way Nigel Hayes plays. I don't think he can beat Villanova by himself, though, and I don't think the rest of the Badgers step up enough. I'm going to take the defending national champions onto the Sweet 16 in a very tough-fought game, but Villanova in the end is going to come out on top over Wisconsin. Next, in the East region, you got Virginia up against Florida. Virginia and Tony Bennett, previously, as I stated, gets teams playing uncomfortable and not in the regular style. Slow pace, half-court offense. I think Virginia does that to the Gators here, and Virginia comes out on top. Moving on down the bracket, we got SMU going up against Baylor on my official bracket. In my heart bracket, though, they're going up against New Mexico State. Either way, Baylor, New Mexico State, whoever you said, this is where they lose. SMU is moving on. SMU, the fast style pace, the the speed on the perimeter, and the big bodies down low that are just athletic freaks is what's going to get them past either team into the Sweet 16. And then wrapping up the East region for the round of 32, you got Marquette going up against Duke, an old ACC rivalry. I'm going to go with Duke in this one. I think the combination of everybody being healthy and Coach K is enough to get Duke into the Sweet 16 this year. So with all that being said, looking at the Sweet 16 matchups, you got Villanova against UVA, Virginia, and then you got SMU against Duke in the East region. Staying on the left side of the bracket, we once again go out west where Gonzaga is going to be going up against Northwestern. Unfortunately, Northwestern, your dance, the music is coming to an end. Gonzaga is going to move past Northwestern in this one into the Sweet 16. 
Next, we have one of the better second-round matchups. You got Notre Dame against West Virginia. Like I said, if Notre Dame's going to be one of my sleeper picks, I can't have them losing in the round of 32. Expect this to be a very low-scoring game, though. I think West Virginia is going to come out, press most of the game, which is going to take a toll on them with their endurance and their cardio. And I'm not a nutritionist or a dietitian or anything like that, but I think that's if you're tired, it's going to be hard to win a basketball game. So I think Notre Dame... I think their size down low wears down West Virginia. And Farrell is the perfect guy at the point guard for the Irish to work through that press. Irish are going on to the Sweet 16. Up next, you got Maryland going up against Florida Gulf Coast. I like Maryland in this one. Melo Trimble is one of those players, like I said, if he gets hot, you can ride good guard play in March. Melo Trimble, he's a good guard. If he plays well in March... Turpins can ride him. I think they ride him and his great play all the way into the Sweet 16. The final game of the round of 32 out of the West region we're going to look at. You got the St. Mary's Gales going up against the Arizona Wildcats. St. Mary's, for the past couple years, but mostly this year, what they've struggled with isn't outside players. It's the inside guys, mainly the Zabonis from Gonzaga. He exposed them every time they played. This year, this game against Arizona, they're going up against a great young forward from Arizona. Laurie Markin, seven foot tall, can spread the floor. He's from Finland. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Dirk Nowitzki. He's What's good about him is, like I said, he can spread the floor, but if he's needed, he can go down low and bang. And I don't know if St. Mary's is going to have anybody that's going to be able to slow him down. What's scary, though, is if they do slow him down, Alonzo Trier, the freshman from Seattle, the sophomore, my apologies, sophomore Alonzo Trier is going to be able to step right up, 6'5", so he's big and lanky. He can come in and have a good game like he had. You kind of really got to see how well he could play and how he can affect games and take over games. This Pac-12 Championship Conference Tournament, if you watch that, you really got to see Alonzo Trier on showcase. And if he's not having a good game, Kobe Simmons, the freshman, he can step in. He can play well. And if they're not freaking Parker Jackson Cartwright, the freaking the guard, 5'11", obviously not much size, but the way he can influence games, be the leader on the court that is just needed come March, I don't think St. Mary's has enough to counter all that. St. Mary's a good team. The record this year, 30-4, and four, nothing, 28-4, and four, my apologize. Nothing to be scoffed at, but just not enough this given day. Arizona on to the Sweet 16. So in a wrap-up for the Sweet 16 Western Region, you got Arizona against Maryland and then Gonzaga against Notre Dame. Some very, very intriguing matchups. Now we shift our focus back to the Midwest region where Kansas is going to go up against Michigan State. Kansas, too much talent. Bill Self isn't going to slip up this year in the round of 32. I'm going to take Kansas over Michigan State. Miles Bridges closes a very 
under-the-radar good freshman year, rides off into the NBA. Tom Izzo, a disappointing year to say the least, but it can always get better with Tom Izzo. I'm going to take Kansas in this one, though, to go on to the Sweet 16. Next game is another very, very intriguing good game, one that I'm personally excited for. I hope it does turn out this way. Iowa State going up against Purdue. Both have good size down low. Both have okay. I'd say Iowa State has the better guard play out of Purdue out of the two. And I would say Purdue has better big men play out of the two. So it's going to be interesting to see who, what set of guys, the big men for Purdue or the guards from Iowa State can influence the game more. I think it's going to be Swanigan and the big men from Purdue. So I'm going to put Purdue into the Sweet 16. Moving on, though. The next game, you got Rhode Island going up against Oregon. I'm going to take Oregon in this one. Rhode Island's jerseys just aren't going to be enough to get past the Ducks of Oregon. I think their talent is just going to be a little bit better than how good uh, good, uh, Rhode Island's jerseys are going to look. Next game we get to look at, the team of destiny, the Michigan Wolverines out of the Big Ten. They're going to be going up against the Louisville Cardinals here in this round of 32 matchup. UofL in their depth, and I really think Quinn Snyder's going to have a big game in this one. It's going to put UofL into the Sweet 16, and the momentum is just going to keep building for the Cardinals from that game on out. UofL, we'll be seeing you in the Sweet 16. So just to clear some things up, The teams that are going to be in the Sweet 16 from the Midwest region, you got Kansas against Purdue, and then Oregon against Louisville. Some very tasty matchups. Moving on down now to the South region for the round of 32, you got North Carolina against Arkansas. North Carolina, I think, uses their speed in this one to run right past Arkansas into the Sweet 16. Moving on, though, in the next game, you got Middle Tennessee going up against Butler. I think Butler finds a way to serve up a loss to Middle Tennessee. Again, another probably a big game, or at least you're going to feel Keelan Martin's impact on this game as Butler beats Middle Tennessee to find its way into the Sweet 16. Looking at this next game in the region, you got Cincinnati going up against UCLA. UCLA on the year, they had six guys average double digits. So even if just six guys average 10 points, that's 60 points. If you get that in a game come March and your defense is almost as good as UCLA's has been all year, you got a pretty good chance of going far. So I think UCLA takes care of Cincinnati and all their lanky athletic players that they have. UCLA, you're going to keep dancing on to the Sweet 16. Then the last game of the round of 32, you got Wichita State going up against Kentucky. Wichita State could be a revenge game for them going all the way back to the 2014 season, so just keep that in mind. But in the end, though, as I mentioned, I think UK just has too much talent. It's going to be a good game. Cats fans don't want you to overlook Wichita State by any means. Yes, they are Wichita State. They're not the same Wichita State that UK beat uh, Julius Randle's year, James Young's year. So don't get overconfident. Expect a tough game. Expect a lot of press by Wichita State. But no, in the end, UK, you're moving on to the Sweet 16. 
So now the Sweet 16 matchups coming out of the South region. You got North Carolina against Butler, and then a rematch of a game that already happened this year in Lexington. You got the UCLA Bruins going up against the Kentucky Wildcats. Now we shift our way back to the left side of the bracket, and we look at the East bracket where Villanova, the number one overall seed, is still in it. They're going up against Virginia. Virginia, like I said, I'm going to reiterate, great defensive team. Their offensive lacks from time to time. I think Virginia is going to be able to influence and slow down the game enough in the first half where it's a game. But then Jay Wright is going to have Villanova coming out in the second half, firing all cylinders. The defending national champs are going to find their way in the Elite Eight. I'm fairly confident about that. This Virginia team, they play so hard and they play defense so well. You hate to see kind of in the tournament every year that they're just offense. They're so offensively challenged that it's hard for them to win games when their defense is all they got going for them. And you hate to see that because Virginia is such a good team throughout the year and so consistent. Uh, Tony Bennett has them playing good basketball year in and year out, but every year in the tournament they come across a game like this where their defense just isn't enough. And then this year it's against Villanova. Villanova, like I said, the defending national champs find their way into the Elite Eight. Next game out of the East in the Sweet 16, you got SMU going up against Duke. Duke all year, the storyline, they've not been healthy as a unit consistently all year. Jason Tatum has been out. Grayson Allen's been out. Coach K for a time period has been out. But now, finally, they've got all their pieces together and they are looking so dangerous, so scary. I... I just pity the fact that SMU is going to have their good year after Larry Brown left, after he leaves, and all the questions they had heading into this year. Would they be able to continue the success that he had the past couple years? Are they going to be able to do it? I feel bad that it's going to have to come to an end, but Duke is going to, I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means, but Duke, I think, is really going to be able in this game to show that they're such a much better team and the dominant team. I don't like I said, not a blowout by any means, but probably a eight to twelve point victory for the Blue Devils. And I think they're just gonna show how scary good that once they're all healthy, Duke really can be. Duke will see you in the Elite Eight. So to see the team that comes out of the East region in the Elite Eight, you got Villanova, the defending national champions, with so much talent returned and so much experience that they have left going up against Duke, the team that's not really been healthy all year together, but when they are, they show, man, this team's dangerous. Staying on the left side of the bracket now, but moving out west, we got the number one seed in the West, Gonzaga, going up against the fifth seed. Notre Dame Irish, and if Notre Dame's my sleeper team, I can't have them losing in the Sweet 16. Notre Dame is going to beat Gonzaga. They're going to find a way to isolate Zabonis and make the guards of Gonzaga, who, when they're on, they're fairly good, but when they're off, they are very bad. They're going to Notre Dame's going to try and make Gonzaga's guards beat them, and I don't think Gonzaga's guards are going to be able to do it. I'm going to take Notre Dame to friggin' shimmy its way right into the Elite Eight. Then, the last game for the Elite Eight out of the West, you got Maryland going up against Arizona. 
I think Melo Trimble and Maryland, this is where their run ends. Arizona just has too many good players and too many factors that can isolate and uh, negate any positivity that Melo Trimble has. And Arizona's big man, the guy from fin- Finland, is just too good. I don't think Maryland has a big that can counter his skill set. So Arizona is going to move on to the Elite Eight where they're going to face Notre Dame. Now we shift focus out to the Midwest bracket where Kansas is going to take on Purdue. And once I sat down and thought about this, it was very difficult for me to decide and pull a trigger for the winner of this game. Kansas has so much talent and just depth at the guard position, but what they lack is is, uh, big men. What Purdue has is a great big man in Swanigan, but they lack productivity from their guards at times. Purdue, their last game, Swanigan's going to have to play so well that I don't know if he's going to have enough in his tank to be able to shoulder such the burden that he would for them to be able to beat Kansas. So I'm going to take Kansas in this one. Pretty good game, pretty close game. Again, you're going to want to be in front of a screen for this so you can watch it. I'm very intrigued to see if Kansas will be able to just slow down Swanigan. I don't think you'll be able to stop him at all, but if you slow him down enough, Kansas should be the team to come out on top in this one. The next game out of the Midwestern region, you got Oregon. They're the three seed in this region against Louisville, the two seed. I like Louisville in this one. They're, like I said, after the victory against Michigan, L is just going to keep the momentum going right into this game against Oregon. And I like Louisville's guard play well enough to counter Oregon's great guard play that they've had all year. And I think L's big men, uh, Dang Adele, Jalen Johnson, uh, Ray Spalding, look for Ray Spalding, the Louisville native, to impact this game in a lot of different ways, not just with points, but rebounds, blocks, assists, hustle stats, anything like that you want to measure. Look for him to step up. He stepped up all year. His transition from freshman to sophomore year, you can really see how he's progressing. He understand, He doesn't force things, I feel like, as much as he did freshman year. And if he does force things, it's a more confident force. He's not just passive and letting things come to him. He's going out and making things happen on the court, which you like to see. I think he makes a few good things happen in this game against Oregon, and L advances to face Kansas in the Elite Eight. Moving on now to the South region and the Sweet 16. The first game, you got North Carolina against Butler. And unfortunately, this is where the Bulldogs fall, and they go back to their doghouse. North Carolina, I think the speed of play that they play at is just going to be too much for Butler to handle. And UNC finds its way back into the Elite Eight for a consecutive year. Then what I think could be one of the better games of this entire tournament. Like I said, UK going up against UCLA this time. A lot more at stake. The entire season at stake in this game. Obviously, UK going to be looking for revenge from the loss earlier on the year that UCLA gave the Cats when UCLA came to Rupp, beat the number one ranked Cats, Kind of handedly, in my opinion. What I look to see is, can Malik Monk stay hot enough to where he can be the best player on the floor? Better than Lonzo Ball, can have more... Lonzo Ball might affect the game a little bit more than Monk, but it needs to be obvious, Monk is the best player on 
the floor. If he's not, Cats are going to have a hard time winning this game, but I think if he isn't, I think Monk's going to need to score around 25 points in this one. If he doesn't, Fox is going to need to step up, Briscoe's needs to step up, and Bam, down low, is going to need to step up and have 20 points himself. I think UK has just a little bit more firepower, a little bit more weapons, a little bit more determination and reason to win this game. No offense to UCLA and what they got going on. A great year. Alford showing that he can coach, get good players there consistently. Lonzo, you had a hell of a year, but you're headed to the NBA after this. A lot of the UK players are headed to the NBA after this. But UK is going to see to play another day as they're going to face North Carolina in the Elite Eight. So now, just to summarize what we got going on so far, the Elite Eight matchups in the East, you got Villanova against Duke. In the West, you got Notre Dame going up against Arizona. In the Midwest, you got Kansas going up against Louisville. And then in the South, you got North Carolina going up against the Kentucky Wildcats. First game we're going to look at out of the East, you got Villanova, the defending national champions, going up against Duke. The one seed, Nova, going up against the two seed, Duke. A collision course is what these two teams were put on once they were put in the same region. Duke, all year, again, when healthy, they are, in my opinion, the best team in the country. That showed, I think, in the ACC tournament. I'm going to take Duke in this game, and I expect Jason Tatum to be very instrumental in that. Him and Kennard have been playing so well this last sec- the second half of the season. Tatum has really grown into his own as a guy that can play well off the ball and with the ball. And Kennard, same way, can play well with the ball, but his skills, his cuts, everything without the ball has been so impressive to see. I don't know if Villanova is going to be able to handle everything Duke is going to throw at them. Villanova, though, no slouch. Hart for them is such a great player and is so experienced from last year that you can't count Villanova out at all, especially with Jay Wright. But then across the side on across the court, you got Coach K there, who is Mr. March, in my opinion. In the end, I think this is going to be a great game. But the Blue Devils are going to make their way to Phoenix and come out of the East and make their way to the Final Four. Next, out of the West, Notre Dame going up against Arizona. This game, Notre Dame, they're my sleeper. So you would think I can't have them losing. But Arizona is such a great team. They're just so balanced everywhere. Alonzo Trier is a hidden treasure out West. But... Notre Dame's my sleeper. I can't have them lose. And they're not going to. I think Colson down low is just going to be able to negate the Finland seven-footer for Arizona. And I think other players, I think Beecham for Notre Dame is going to step up and have a real big game. And I think the big lights are going to get to Alonzo Trier, the freshman. And I think Notre Dame is going to find a way to win this come out of the West and make their way to Phoenix, and we get a ACC Conference Championship rematch between Duke and Notre Dame, and that was a great game. So like I said, they're my sleeper team. Notre Dame coming out of the West, making their way to Phoenix for the Final Four. 
The next game we look at is the Elite Eight matchup out of the Midwest between Kansas and Louisville. Kansas led by Frank Mason at guard, senior. Also led by Devontae Graham, junior, guard. Josh Jackson, a very talented freshman. Great size at 6'8". Then the question with them, though, down low, is Carlton Bragg going to be enough for them to control UofL's big men? I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I'm not sure that that's going to be enough to slow down UofL's big men. But what I am confident in, though, is Kansas's guard play being better than UofL's guard play. And in the end, the way the game is shaping up to be these days, big men, they're kind of an afterthought, and guard play can win you championships. And Kansas has some of the best guards and some of the best combination of guards, really, in the country. I think that's just going to be too much for Rick Pitino, his squad with friggin' uh, Spidey Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell. He's a great player, freak athlete. You wonder, is he going to be able to score enough to counterbalance what Kansas's guards are going to bring? Quint Snyder, he's not thought of as a scorer, but he can score. I don't know if those two are going to be able to counterbalance how well and how much that Kansas's guards are going to contribute to the win. So for that reason, I'm taking Kansas coming out of the Midwest to make their way to April to not make their way to April. Yeah, make their way into April, make their way to Phoenix for the Final Four. Now we look at the last Elite Eight game coming out of the South region. Got the first-ranked North Carolina Tar Heels going up against the second-ranked Kentucky Wildcats. I'm going to come right out and say it. North Carolina's going to win this game, and that pains me to say as a Cats fan, but that's what's going to happen. I don't think Malik Monk is going to be hot enough, and I don't think we're going to get a big enough contribution, the Wildcats will, from Derek Willis, Hawkins, Mulder. I think Fox might force some things at the point guard spot, and I think, bam, if he gets in trouble at all foul-wise, Kentucky is in a bad position with its backup bigs with Isaac Humphreys, pretty much Isaac Humphreys, to be honest, as the only backup guy we got. I don't think that Kentucky is going to be able to sustain how well they've been playing the past couple games for this game. Justin Jackson, the shooting forward for North Carolina, probably going to have a big game. Um, also, got to look at Joel Berry. He's going to be, I mean, he's the point guard junior, been in a lot of big games, uh, kind of studied under Marcus Page, learned how to play the game real well from him. Um I just feel like North Car- the big thing that I want to stress as well is Kennedy Meeks, the power forward for North Carolina. Bam might be more athletic, but I think Kennedy Meeks, him being a senior, I think he is so much more polished and so much more just his knowledge of the game. I feel like it's so much more advanced than Bam's is that it is going to get Bam in foul trouble early. And like I said... UK doesn't have a good backup down low. And once Bam is out, Meeks is going to be able to slow down the game down low, take over, use his post moves, and just impose his will on the boards. I, I The way I'm talking about this makes it seem like I think North Carolina is just going to run Kentucky out of the building. 
We saw earlier in the year that it took Malik Monk to have 47 points for this to be a close game. Both teams have matured and grown a lot since then, and they're not the same teams since that game. It's going to be a close game. It's going to be a good game. As a fan, I would love to see Kentucky win. Per, that's 100%. But if I'm being honest with myself, and for you, the fans, I'm being honest, I got to say North Carolina makes it out of the South region to head to Phoenix for the Final Four. So now the stage is set for the Final Four. We're going to look at the left side of the bracket first. Duke against Notre Dame. Two seed versus a five seed. So, again, not the best teams according to the committee making it to the Final Four. Notre Dame, they're my sleeper team. I can't have them lose, right? Dream's over. The alarm clock sounding, Irish. Your luck, sadly, has run out. Nothing to hang your heads about. But I think Duke is just going to come out. Coach K is going to have these guys so focused, so ready that it's just going to be over. And what I I would love to see it, I would love to see Grayson Allen come the Final Four, just have a monster game to set the tone, just as a big kind of F you to all the people that have been talking bad about him all year, the whole tripping incident, the typical white privilege Duke player. I would love if he could go off and just have a big FU game in this game to get Duke to the championship. If he doesn't, that's okay. I think other players from Duke will be able to step up and have that big a big enough game for Duke to slide past Notre Dame again and make their way to the national championship game. On the other side of the bracket, we now look at Kansas against North Carolina. Kansas's guard play, I think, is just going to be too much. North Carolina has good guards. They've got the better big men. But for some reason, I just think this Kansas group of guards is so special. I don't really know why, but I just think they're so good that I think they can obviously get them pretty far if I have them in my Final Four. But I think they're going to be able to get them at least one game farther to the national championship game. And I'm going to take Kansas over North Carolina to set up the matchup Duke versus Kansas. Ladies and gentlemen, you've made it this far. So now it is time for the national championship game between the Duke Blue Devils and the Kansas Jayhawks. A rematch of a Champions Classic game earlier this year where Kansas won 77-75. to Duke was the number one ranked team in the country. But again, what I've stressed this entire show, without key pieces, Harry Giles, Marcus Bolden, who not that key anymore right now, and one of the very key pieces, Jason Tatum. Duke is going to come out full strength, balls of the wall. Coach K knows how to win in March. And he's going to have his players ready to play. On the other hand, Kansas, Bill Self, he knows how to win in March as well. Both of these coaches, great coaches. Kansas's guards, I've stressed it, and I'm going to keep stressing it. Great group of players. They're going to be playing with so much swagger, so much confidence, that it's going to be so hard for anybody on Duke to stop them, I feel like, and anybody 
to be able to say, I think they're going to go into that game with the mindset, we are the best players in college basketball as a group. And look, like, look at our resume. Look at what we've done to get here. It shows that. What is going to be interesting, though, both of these teams lack a strong presence down low. So I think whichever team can establish themselves on the boards and establish a presence down low, which I think with Emile Jefferson and Harry Giles, the Blue Devils are going to be able to do. And with all that being said, Kansas's run with incredible guards comes to an end in your 2016-2017 NCAA basketball March Madness tournament champions. I got it being Duke. And that's hard to say as a Cats fan, but when healthy, Duke, in my opinion, is the best team in the country. Grayson Allen, Luke Kennard, great scorers. Jason Tatum, a freak athlete, great with the ball, great off the ball. Luke Kennard, off the ball, great. Emil Jefferson, a strong post presence down low and a great leadership person to have. Harry Giles, a talented freshman to have down low. Um, Matt Jones and Frank Jackson up top at the point guard positions, great to have. Duke is just the best team to me, and if they do get it this far, with that being said, the final score, Duke over Kansas, 79-72, fairly high scoring, I know, so take the over if you can. So just to wrap things up pretty much, what I've been saying, Coach K with a group of guys that are proven how good they are when healthy in March, it equals national championship and the Blue Devils are going to win it this year. Now, ladies and gentlemen, with all that being said, I want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of Carson Sack Podcast, the NCAA Tournament Edition. I hope you enjoy. I wish you the best of luck in your brackets, in your pools, whatever it is. I hope you took something from this podcast episode that you can apply. Again, I'll say it, New Mexico State over Baylor didn't have the balls to do it. Please do that on your bracket. If it's wrong, please come back. Tell me I was wrong and bitch at me. But I'm pretty confident in that, just not confident enough to do it on my own. Again, thank you for tuning into the SAC Podcast. I don't know when episodes are going to be coming out more regularly. Hopefully, within these coming weeks, I have more free time. I can do more things. Or over the summer when there's not a lot going on, I might do sporadic episodes like this until we get closer to football season. I don't know. I'm playing it by ear. But as always, I want to thank you for tuning in. And of course, as always, we will be seeing you. Thought you were